0: Amen. Again, welcome. It's uh, it's good to be with you again this week. Um, it's been a while since I've had the privilege of preaching two weeks in a row, and it's a, a wonderful exercise um, for me, and it's, it's fun to think like at the beginning of the week, like, oh my, um, what am I going to say? I just said a bunch of stuff last week. How am I going to come up with more stuff to say this week? And then we get to this morning, and I'm like, oh my, I have way too much to say. So how do I pack it all into uh, the amount of time we have together? I had a video clip I was going to put in, but I forgot to. So that just gives me more minutes to talk. Um, so uh, I, I just want to thank many of you for your encouragement. Over the past week, and, uh, and I, so I thought with some of the encouragement I received after last week, I, I should share one of my mantras that I live by when it comes to preaching and teaching or doing ministry is, um, if it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's Brad. So uh, if, uh, if this sermon blesses you today, um, uh, then that is God working and answering our prayers. If it, uh, if it lays an egg and it's just rather disappointing, I apologize. Uh, <clears throat> so I'll take the blame for a bad sermon. If it's good, I give all glory and praise to the, our God. Uh, we're going to be continuing the the book of James. we've entitled this Wisdom uh, uh, a Practical Faith uh, last week i um, I talked about how James the author the the brother of Christ, wrote the book, and he doesn't major on uh, theological uh, but on the practical faith and and I want to rephrase a little bit of that though he doesn't major on Explaining a lot of the theology He is very theological In what he's saying Because of the depth and the roots Of his theology It's a very practical faith Um, So uh, one of the things about James is he continues to encourage us Into the word of God To grow in our understanding of God And the more we do that We move beyond surface level Understanding of God and and theology And we begin to see How the theology uh, Deeply affects our daily lives and should become very practical. If our theology is not practical, we have we have not gone deep enough to where it transforms our hearts to change our lives. Uh, And so, I think it's very important that we do look into uh, this book and understand that James has uh, in his statement. There's an assumed understanding of a richness of theology and a teaching of who God is in the gospel. And I kind of unpacked that a little bit in in verse 1. But to put today's message in context, I would like to go ahead and start back with verse 1, and we'll read through uh, verse 18 today. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. That'll conclude our reading for this morning. And as we look into verses 9 through 18, I, I wanted to. Jump back to um, the first part of the chapter to be reminded of, of the fact that we're supposed to count it all joy when we face trials. And what does that mean? And today is going to be an l- application of some of uh, that continued teaching. And so today I call it a, a kingdom outlook. Um, and, and, and talking with uh, last week about James writing to the 12 um, tribes of Jewish Christians scattered abroad, one of the things uh, drawing from Old Testament teaching and the gospel teaching. I think James is really leaning heavily upon kingdom language, that when we're in Christ, we're part of God's kingdom. We're no longer citizens of earth, but citizens of heaven. We're to be in his kingdom, and we have to have, uh, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we have to have the outlook of the kingdom, and how we look at the world. Our worldview needs to change, and uh, and so it started with, to count it all joy when we face trials, to be reminded of the importance of When we go through hard times, if we allow God to work in our hearts, we will become more like Christ. We will see God clearer, we will depend on God more, and we don't take joy in the pain of the trial, we take joy in what God is producing through the trials. It is helping us to let go of the temporal and to open our hands to receive the eternal. And it is so important that we remember those things, um, that... When we go through things, God is at work. And, uh, and so as we go through here, I think that James is leading us to another new perspective. And, he, and when he begins with the let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation in 9 through 11, he really is giving us a, a new perspective on, uh, on the world, on uh, the economy, on the economy. It's a it's a heavenly economy, not a worldly one. He says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Um, <clears throat> later on, James is going to go much deeper into the struggles of the rich and the poor. Uh, but here, again, with a, an understanding, what he's saying is that um, when you find your, whatever estate you find yourself in, poor or rich, as Paul said, I, um, whether I, I abound or... I, um, I'm a poor, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is not about our current state, it is about our God in that current state. In chapter 2, James says this, Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? So he's saying to the lowly brother, the, the not to dwell on the fact that they don't have a lot of money, but to, ha- to know that they have... Uh, a, The highest honor of knowing Christ and being blessed by Christ. James is drawing a lot from the Sermon on the Mount where he says, uh, where Jesus said in Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The new economy in Christ, the kingdom economy is it's not about how much money I have. It's about how much I know about God. It's my relationship, the love of God that I can grow in and that um, in poverty a person has The opportunity to live by faith and depend upon God for their very existence. Oftentimes, when we um, become wealthy, we forget our need for God. We forget that um, every day we need God to give us breath, to give us life, to to give us the daily needs because we have a lot. And so that's the temptation of wealth uh, is to see wealth as our God rather than God as our God. But the poor have this unique um, daily struggle that they face that I need God to provide today. And, uh, and some of the most joyful Christian believers I've encountered throughout life have been in the most uh, poorest countries of the world. Uh, and, uh, and they have nothing, but yet they have this joy that is contagious and, uh, and, and this is what Jesus is talking about, what James is talking about, is that the lowly brother needs to boast in their exaltation, that they see their, their need for God, that they have a dependence of God, they have a vibrant relationship with God, and, uh, and they can boast on it. And the rich man, in his humiliation, is uh, a sense of understanding what I have is not um, uh, is not— All that I need, I need God, and I. Not that wealth is bad, but how do I use my wealth? The the question here comes not, do I um, do I have wealth, but does wealth have me? Uh, Is am I being controlled by my possessions because they are fleeting? And so the rich man needs to be reminded of the fact that uh, wealth uh, passes away, the temporal passes away, like the flower of the grass he's really drawing here from Isaiah 46-8, says a voice says, cry, and I said what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field the grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it surely the people are grass the grass withers, the flower fades but the word of our God will stand forever and I think James is definitely drawing from this passage as a reminder that wealth passes, life passes, but the word of God uh, abides forever. And over and over in James, he's reminding us to get into the word of God, to depend upon the word of God, to rem- to memorize uh, the word of God. And so in these first two, and I'm I'm kind of briefly moving through the new perspective on our economy, uh, how we look at our wealth and our current state, because he's going to spend a lot more time in the coming chapters on that. But when we understand that it's not about how much I have or how much I don't have but it's about Jesus Christ that we can count that joy that every day I have an opportunity to see God to see his faithfulness uh, to be reminded of his blessings and his promise and I get to live in this um, knowledge that one day whether I'm poor or whether I'm rich Jesus is going to return and make all things new Um, And in the meantime, I live with the kingdom perspective that my brothers and sisters are the most important thing on this earth for us, that we care for one another and we encourage one another. We don't look down on one or or exalt one just because of what they have, Um, but we are uh, one family in Christ. And so we move then into in our trials, he again comes back to this importance of steadfastness, um, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial For when he has stood the test He will see, receive the crown of life Which God has promised to those who love them And in this verse here I, I just want us to, to look at a worthy motivation um, What is our motivation and, and, the, and the hope that we have is In the promise of when our desire Is turned to our love for God To those who love him Our love for God is what is going to lead us to um, the, the motivation to stay uh, on target, to stay steadfast, to keep persevering, to say no to temptation, um, and to say no to sin, but to, to follow him. And this is so important as church. We, uh, we uh, say that our, our mission statement is love God, care for people, and communicate his message. And we started with the upward journey for our love for God. Love for God needs to be uh, the very foundation of everything we are as individual Christians and as a community of faith. Because our love for God is what's going to compel us to pursue God and to follow in righteousness and to to be his hands and feet. And then care for people is then to care for the brothers and sisters within the church. And so as we go from actually from 12 and the importance of loving God back up to um, 9 through 11, the importance of caring for one another, uh, and then as we do that well We communicate his message to our community And to our world Through our, our love for God uh, Jesus said this in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven: 37 says you shall love the Lord With all your heart and with all your soul And with all your mind It comes to desire it starts with love the Lord with all your heart Your heart the seat of emotions and desires um, It is What is your affection turned towards And do you Um, Seek God above all else You desire to know him and to love him And and so if God is just something uh, Just one of the many pursuits of our life We're going to be overwhelmed with Trials and suffering and struggles And sins in this life But when he becomes our one Desire, our whole desire That we pursue him above all else uh, He begins to Empower us to live uh, In joy and, And as an overcomer and a perseverer. And so, so then, rightly, he says, blessed or happy is the one who remains steadfast on a trial uh, because it is deeply rooted in our love for God and what he has done for us. And our love is, should be based on who God is, his personhood, um, and what he has done, uh, the redemptive plan that he's put in motion through his son Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the promises that he gives us that he is with us, that he will empower us, that he uh, has a, a, a plan and a future for us. And so our motivation comes from these to, to withstand. And when we stand firm, and later he's going to tell us in chapter 4, uh, that when we submit to God and resist the devil, that the, the devil will flee, or temptation will subside. Uh, the struggles we have today, we can overcome later when we Submit to god and resist the devil now. It's important. Um, and not to get too far ahead, but Uh, that is not a one-time thing to say. Oh, okay. I submitted I resisted My temptation should be over but the the sense is a continual action a struggle and a perseverance Of I am going to submit to god over and over and over again I'm going to resist the devil and then one day we will find deliverance from those things And for me personally, I find a an interesting, uh that how God has worked in my life where in my high school, college, age, times, I, uh, I felt like I was a pretty angry person. I would kind of um, just snap and get mad. Uh, uh, I think it's the, the grace of God and the Holy Spirit that kept me from actually getting into fights. But as a, I wanted to be an Irish boxer, you know, just kind of get scraps and I had some friends who fought and I never actually got into a lot of fights, but I got this attitude and this anger that would flare up. And I remember I was actually at a Bible Institute, Word of Life Bible Institute, and I um, was playing a volleyball. And uh, I got mad. And I just threw a uh, teenage temper tantrum and uh, walked out, stormed out, taking my ball, I'm going home, kind of thing. And, uh, and as soon as I left the, 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 the gym, I just was ashamed and embarrassed by my behavior. I was like, this is ridiculous that I would get so mad and I would just spoil my testimony, like, and I would just be, just be so foolish, and I just started praying on my walk back to my dorm, and just confessing how I, I can't believe that I'm just out of control when it comes to my bursts of anger, and, uh, and I, I took a, a break from playing sports for the the time being, and just committed to God, and said, God, you need to change my heart, you need to help me with this, because this is not acceptable behavior, and if I, ever play the game again and I lose my temper like this, I will never play it again the rest of my life. And that was my, my conversation with God. I'm going to risk this. And I took some time off to really, rather than go play a game that I love, um, I, uh, I I just was in prayer and the word and asking God to, to mold and shape my heart and then to see him continually uh, build a, a long-suffering, a patience uh, and uh, to see that he's changed me uh, that through his grace, his spirit, that uh, I don't find myself losing my temper often, if at all, and uh, I get frustrated at times. But uh, now I coach volleyball, and, uh, and it's fun to to apply some of these principles um, that I can with, uh, with my teams and try to help them see the game uh, the way I have now come to see it because it's not just about the game. you know. It's, it's so much more. Uh, and then when we have the opportunity to see that it is about God and uh, caring for each other, is, is so important in that. And so I see that, yes, now I am happy, especially when I see moments where I remember a time where I would have got really mad and I would have said something dumb or I would have done something dumb. And now I see the patience of God that he's given me in those moments. And uh, and so I continue to seek to grow and love God so that I can persevere in other things as well. And, and so I encourage you to, to think about how God can give you the proper worthy motivation to drive you through temptations and trials and struggles uh, and watch his grace change you where you need those, those things most. All right, and so now we're getting into the area where I just, I want to spend a little extra time today is a, a predictable pattern of temptation. I think it's so important that we look through in this um, kingdom outlook that uh, there is a pattern to temptation. James cautions us and warns us throughout his book about the dangers of sin and what can happen and how, as Christ's followers, uh, that we need to stand firm, persevere, be steadfast, and overcome sin. But we need to understand what sin is. And so he says this um, in temptation, in verse 13, "...let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured away and enticed by his own desire." Then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it's fully grown brings forth death <clears throat> So it's uh, important to to see that sin And temptation doesn't come from god We learn a lot about who god is in this this passage of james that god is holy and he is perfect uh, he cannot tempt you with sin because he can't sin uh, and no sin no temptation comes from god and uh And then we have to see the importance of that is because our first parents set an example for us in in the Garden of Eden. And God gave them one command, not to eat of the one tree. And uh, it says that, you know, when Eve saw that the the fruit was good to eat, she desired it and she ate it. Um, And then later, she gave it to Adam. And when when God questioned Adam, he actually said in... uh, Genesis three twelve, he says, "Hey God, that woman you gave me, she's the one. She's the one who brought this temptation in." Um, but if you listen to what he said, God, the gift you gave, you gave this gift that led me to temptation, and uh, Adam pushed blame. He blamed some. He blamed God for his sin, and so I think this is where he. Um, James is reminding us, let no one say when they're tempted, I'm being tempted by God. God cannot tempt God, but we have to find the root of our temptation is our own evil desire, our own hearts. It says each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So it's not, not God, it's, it's not Satan. Satan is a tempter and accuser of the brethren, and all the, the demonic forces are very active but what they work with is they work with our desires. They work with our heart. What the, the sinful desires we have, they exploit that, but it doesn't come from them. They can't make us do it and say, that's our choice in this pattern, and we have to see the importance of standing firm in, in our faith. So a predictable pattern, there's five stages of temptation. It's, uh, it starts with attraction. Some, something looks good. Uh, Eve saw that the the fruit looked good. David and Bathsheba said David looked out and he saw her, her beauty. Achan saw the 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 spoils of war that God said to destroy, and he saw it and he wanted it. it. Started with the eyes seeing something and desiring that, and then they were deceived. Deception comes in, so attraction turns to deception. Oh, that's that's beautiful. That's desirable. I want that. Uh, sometimes uh, the, the attraction is, is something good. And one of the things is uh, the temptation is to take something good uh, and to turn it to something and to get it in a, in a way that's not appropriate. The deception is if uh, I take this this good thing and I get it by my own means, that it'll be good. Whether it's timing or the way we go about getting it, we deceive ourselves that we, we, can, we can get it, that we, we believe Um, that God's timing isn't good. We believe that God's provision isn't enough. We believe that God won't fulfill those things. We're deceived into thinking we have to do it by our own means, whatever that might be. So getting a good grade on a test is good. Cheating to get a good grade on the test is sin. What are we going to do? Are we going to do the the hard work of study and preparation to get something good? Or are we going to sin and cheat to get uh, to get a good thing in a sinful way. So these are these are things we have to watch out for. Preoccupation becomes when we um, begin to dwell on the thing we desire and we begin to inflate it in our minds and we want it more and more and more because it, is, it becomes an, uh, an obsession. And then that... Temptation turns into conception So preoccupation is that phase of a temptation You ever been tempted to the point where you're like This is so hard I, ha- like, I just can't fight this temptation It would just be easier if I just give in to the temptation And it'll just go away And that's where we give in Through cons- um, pre- preoccupation And the conception of Sin happens And uh, and we are find ourselves Having done something we didn't want to do uh, At least We tell ourselves we didn't want to do it, but what we see is actually we did want to do it because it's our desire or evil heart, which then leads us to enslavement with, I put then, death to joy. He says, again, James says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, give birth to sin, and sin, when it grows... This fully grown, brings forth the death. Now, again, in context, and why I wanted to reach verse 2 again is to count it all joy. The kingdom perspective, the kingdom outlook that we need to have is that everything we face in this life is preparing us to be with our, our Savior in heaven one day. And every trial and temptation we have is an opportunity to find God faithful, to see his goodness and kindness, to see his provision for us, and to watch his spirit and give us strength and endurance through those things. And every time we give into it, we rob ourselves of the opportunity of seeing God's goodness. And, uh, <clears throat> and it steals our joy. John ten ten says that there's a thief that ha- comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Christ has come to give us life to the full. And, and so what we see is when we give in to sin, it enslaves us and it robs us of joy. Uh, <clears throat> I had a friend who who uh, got so caught up in the in their sin and didn't see that the sin is what blocked them from experiencing joy in life. And then they just kept digging deeper and deeper into sin and became blinded to the truth of of the reality of if you just say no to sin, you will receive the joy of the Lord uh, back. You will receive fellowship with fellow, uh, other Christians. But it was stealing his joy, and uh, it was so costly to him. So the truth is this is, Sin will take you farther than you want to go Keep you longer than you want to stay And it will cost you more than you want to pay Anytime we allow sin to become a pattern in our life uh, We are going to feel far away from God Although God's never left, he's right there We have turned our back in pursuit of a path that is not helpful Instead we need to turn and see his goodness for us and his provision for us so a few years ago, I was considering this um, this idea of of uh, the stages of temptation and and the pattern here, and it, it dawned on me one day um, that eating Taco Bell as an adult in my 40s is a lot like temptation and sin. <clears throat> so, see if this is a good picture for you. At first, it is a passing thought in my mind and easily dismissed. Then the idea of quick and cheap meal grows on me. Who doesn't like Mexican, right? The added convenience of driving right by it bring, begins to dismantle any objections. It sounds so good, and the idea, and I begin to crave it. I then focus on pursuing it. Even in line, I can be thinking of a healthier and better option at home But now I find myself placing my order. Upon receiving my food, I am excited to eat it, and I think I'm happy. However, almost immediately after eating it, my stomach tells me that it wasn't a good idea. Later, pain and suffering ensue. Soon, I am full of repentance and the promise that I will never eat that again. (laughs) So, um, I just think it it, it is one of those things, when we look at the pattern of, of sin... Uh, and the the temptation that comes uh, It is the same for all of us There are many temptations out there And you, we can find ourselves Feeling like we're unique to this situation But I've sat with many people And I begin to talk about what goes on And I've had people actually say to me How did you get in my head? And I'm like well because that's what happens in all of our head But the enemy wants to deceive you In this is that you are unique And only you would understand the temptation you face uh, But um, it's that's so not true Paul wrote in First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you But what is common to man Temptation is common The struggles we face are common God is faithful He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability But will, with the temptation Will also provide the way of escape That you may be able to endure it As we face temptation We have to recognize that God is at work and he is providing a way for us to trust him and to, to choose a path that doesn't lead to sin. If we're looking for him, if we're uh, listening to him, if we're following his voice, it's always there. There is no temptation that, is gonna, that he's going to allow to bend us beyond the, to the breaking point. Its question is, what is my desire? What do I desire the true God, the true way, the way that um, maybe puts my, my attraction, my desires off for now and trust that he will provide in the future. Um, that is the way to freedom and to joy, to blessedness. But when I don't trust God, when I'm not looking for the way to escape I'm, and I turn my, my desire to just that attraction and I keep pursuing what I want and the way I want to get it, I find myself in sin and it brings forth that death and we have to be um, so careful about that uh, To see that it, it will rob us of our joy It will rob us of our hope And it will rob us of our com- uh, a communion with God uh, You know, the Bible says If we harbor sin in our heart The Lord will not hear us um, <clears throat> And it's not that he doesn't hear our prayers It's that we have to come to a place of repentance And forsaking sin And those moments That we're not going to experience new, fresh, vibrant life With Christ until we I acknowledge the fact that I'm sinning. I need to turn to God. Sin is so destructive, and repentance is supposed to be the regular part of a Christian life. We're never going to get to a place this side of heaven that we won't struggle with sin. I think Paul talks about that in Romans 7, uh, what I call the do-do passage, the things that I hate, that's what I do, the things I want to do that I don't do, and, he's, and it says do-do a couple different times, but I think that's a wrestle. We get into the middle of this sin struggle that we get so lost at times and Paul I believe in Romans 7 is writing about his current experience because he speaks in the present tense that as a Christian I struggle and I war at sin we have an old man and a new man inside we have the nature the, the old nature that is passing away and we have the new nature that is growing and whatever we feed is going to be stronger and if we allow the our old man to just keep feeding into and believing the lies that's going to uh, cost us a lot, but we have the opportunity to turn to God's word, to hear his voice through the scriptures, to talk to him in prayer, and to be around uh, uh, fellow believers, to to grow in, uh, in our knowledge of him and the community that he's provided for us. And so as we go on, we see the, the sovereign grace that God has given to us. He says, do not be deceived, brother. So again, Deception is so, like a a reminder, don't be deceived by temptation. Don't be deceived by sin. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. He's telling us about God here, one, a good gift doesn't steal life. A good gift doesn't destroy you. A good gift builds you up. It gives life. It is good. It's wholesome. It's it's healthy, and every good and perfect gift is from above, coming from our Father of lights. There's no variation or shadow due to change. Earlier he said a double-minded man is unstable, is on his ways. Uh, here he's saying g- there, God is not double-minded. There's no variation. There's no shadow. He doesn't he doesn't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, because he is perfect. There's no need for him to change. He is holy and he is good and we can trust him. Verse 18 is one where I, I really wanted to start with this, but I want to conclude with this one in the sovereign grace. It says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Of his own will, that God chose for some reason a holy God who was a perfect in the triune Godhead, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the love relationship that they have, lacking nothing, needing nothing, created this world. And in the creation of this world, He gave us a choice, and Adam and Eve cho- chose to eat that that first fruit that brought sin and death in this world. And God did not reject His creation, but He pursued His of His will. He pursued His creation through the person of Jesus Christ to enter into this world and to live the perfect life that we could not live, to fulfill the law that His holiness requires, and to become the perfect sacrifice appeasing God's wrath called the propitiation Jesus is our propitiation our satisfaction of God's wrath on our behalf and he purchased uh, our our forgiveness our freedom our adoption in Christ for those who trust in him this is the of his own will he brought us forth he chose to come in and to pursue the sinners those who are us with our, our hearts that are so desperately wicked and our desires that are contrary to his word uh, that we need to be changed and scrubbed. And he sent through his, the word of truth and he's left us his word to continue to proclaim the goodness that he has and the plan that he has that when we spend time in his word, his word works in us to conform us into the image of Christ. So we need to be in the word, memorizing it, reading it, studying it, and, uh, and, and talking about it to others, that we should be kind of a first fruit of his creatures. And this is this, is this first fruit thing, something I've been trying to figure out a lot um, this week, and why I called it a, a kingdom outlook, is the first fruits of God's kingdom, that we don't have to wait till heaven to live as citizens of heaven. That right now that we have the power uh, of Christ through the Holy Spirit to live as citizens of the Kingdom of God, uh, as first that, that when the world looks at us, they should see um, that that we are different, that we uh, resemble Christ, uh, that we have this community of faith that is different than other communities, um, and it is this by His sovereign grace that He has given us this through Christ and His His Spirit, and so it should guide us to want to. To pursue that and um, and this morning as I, uh, I spent you know a lot of time trying to find out my um, my taco Bell illustration <laughs> I uh, I stumbled upon uh, I, I wrote it in my blog in 2017 I, I found an article that I wrote that actually if I would have found it could have shaped the last week and this week's sermons because it was on the same passage um, and I was like it's just kind of funny to go back and read something you, you've written a, a while back. But I wrote a battle plan, uh, steps of action. How do we take this in, uh, and, and live in the kingdom outlook? How do we become the first fruits? And number one is uh, get in the word. Get in the word. We need to be in God's word every day. As Americans, we are, of all people, so privileged to have the Word of God in various translations, in print, on our smartphones and computers. We have audio Bibles, we have music, we have apps. Unfortunately, we have more excuses. I'm tired, I'm busy, I have homework, I have practice, I have you fill in the blank. How much TV have you watched? How much time did you spend watching sports? How much time did you spend texting or snapping? How much time did you spend reading a novel? How much time did you do other things? The point is, you have time for what you value. Is the eternal word of God uh, valued in your life? Number two, memorize the word. King David writes, How shall a young man keep his way pure? By listening to your word. And later, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He gives a very clear point that memorizing the word of God brings power over sin and temptation. Now there is a value in memorizing verses that deal with particular struggles you are facing, but I want to encourage you to pick verses that you have, that give you a proper view of God and his promises. Desiring and delighting in God will overcome all forms of temptation. I think one of my point with this is that when we have a particular struggle, we oftentimes want to just just find, what does the Bible say about this? And, uh, and it's good to know those verses. But it is far better to know God and his beauty and his goodness and his kindness and his provision and that we need to fill our minds with him. Years ago, I remember a phrase I said in a sermon, said that if we are overwhelmed in worship of God, if we're overwhelmed in God, we will not be overwhelmed by this world. And, and point three, accountability. This one is difficult because it requires vulnerability. Who do you know that you trust? Who is pursuing Christ the way you are? Finding a brother or sister in Christ that can be there for you and walk with you is important. I encourage guys to find a guy and girls to find a girl as accountability partner. We encourage this um, in youth group by having small groups. Who knows your sin struggle? Who have you told about your desire to grow closer to Jesus? Good accountability is not just getting together and asking a list of questions, although that can be helpful. It is about being there for each other and encouraging each other to fix your eyes on Jesus. The most successful accountability relationships I have are, one, consistent, two, intentional, three, long-term, and four, grace-filled. Consistency means that you get together on a regular basis and you uh, you have to determine to get together. You have to make it happen. Intentional means you have to know why you're getting together. It's not just about the sin issue. It's about loving Jesus more. Love for Jesus will impact all areas of life, not just the one area. Long-term means that, you, that you, uh, you're not just about getting through one, this one temptation, but you want to live life together. You want to see change that lasts. When we employ these three steps, we will see victory over temptation. Temptation is real. It comes from within. It can be powerful, but it doesn't have to be. Don't isolate yourself. Find a partner to pursue the word of God with and memorize God's promises and allow his word to be your weapon against sin. And I think that's exactly what we need today, that we do need these things. We need to read his word. We need to memorize his word. uh, And we need to invite people into our lives. It is one of the hardest things to open up and share with someone else what you're going through. But it is one of the very things, and James will talk about this later in chapter 5 where he says, confess your sins once another and pray for one another you might be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That we need to know that God's pattern for us to overcome sin and temptation is not to stay in isolation. It is to, have the, uh, to rely on the community of faith. Here at Lakeside we have uh, elders and we have leaders that would love to just talk with you and encourage you through anything and to pray with you, um, and we, we have different small groups, care groups that meet at different times to invite deeper community. Uh, I encourage you and implore you to to talk to someone about it. Take a risk. I remember on several different times in my life where I was so afraid to say things that were going on in my heart to other people, but God gave me the, the, the courage to open up, and as soon as I said something that real just acknowledge the fact that I'm a sinner um, that it was like this deep sigh of relief on somebody else you struggle with that too oh my goodness so do I and then it just opened up the floods of communication between us and we got to see God do some pretty neat things on different occasions with different topics and different struggles because there's no temptation that's taking you but what is common to man don't think you are alone in the battle you're only alone if you choose to be alone but we are to carry each other's burdens God's word, God's grace, God's redemption, his forgiveness is bigger than anything we can imagine. Um, and that's why we need to come together and remind each other. So let's pray just and remind ourselves that temptation is real, but God is, uh, God is bigger and God has made provisions for us to overcome these things. Father God, we thank you so much for your word uh, that is so clear and so precise uh, that points us to the, the struggles that we have in life and the patterns. Uh, Lord, and that um, that we don't have to give in to sin. Lord, that, that sin is destructive, that it will lead to death and, and destroy our joy, destroy our relationships, destroy our families. But in Christ, there is um, forgiveness, uh, and the Holy, Holy Spirit is strength to overcome and say no. Help us to be students of your word, that we would um, read it, that we would memorize it, that it would change our, our hearts, Lord. To, and help us to have the courage to, to truly seek accountability, uh, open up the, to trust uh, your word uh, that the Christian community is to be there for each other, to help each other through the hardest things in life. And as we, we turn our hearts um, again to worship you through song, Lord, uh, when we think about temptation and sin, we need to know that you are the healer and that nothing is too difficult for you. And Lord, we pray that this song is a prayer that we can lift up uh, to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. And we'll be blessed because of it when Jesus is all we need, that when he's our desire. Peter wrote this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. May you go uh, in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This will conclude our service.